This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM, business radio powered by the Wharton School on channel 132. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we are moving on to our next guest, Ami Dalal, who is the vice president and managing director at Finca Ventures, where they're really linking access to finance and basic services. Finca is seeking to increase the quality of life, resilience, and productivity of those living at the base of the pyramid. So Ami, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello, how are you? Good. We're, we're great. And welcome back. You are a, a two-time alumna, undergrad and, and MBA here at Wharton, or rather undergrad at Penn, uh, BA in philosophy, if I recall correctly, and then then a Wharton MBA. So welcome home. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's good to be home. So, so Ami, let's just start first with um, a little bit more around Finca. What, what is Finca? Absolutely. So uh, Finca is um, it's, uh, it's a microfinance bank so, um, that was started about 35 years ago. Uh, today it operates in 20 countries, serving more, uh, nearly 2 million clients. Um, and so there's a, a little bit of structure. So uh, the, the microfinance bank today is called Finca Impact Finance, um, where Finca International, where I sit, uh, is the, the majority shareholder. Uh, we built Finca Inter- uh, Impact Finance um, at Finca International using um, uh, you know, blended capital, um, and and uh, which is so we use you know U, uh, USA capital, you know DFI capital, um, and as that uh, as that uh, as that business grew, that microfinance uh, business, uh, network grew, um, it needed growth capital, um, and so we created a separate uh, company so that it could. Um, raise that uh, impact-focused uh, commercial capital, um, and today um, it serves um, clients in 20 countries. Um, and where I sit, uh, Finca International, um, realized that you know access to finance through microfinance is necessary, but it's not uh, sufficient uh, to solve uh, the, the the challenges um, that uh, the impo- that impoverished folks uh, face. Um, and so the foundation uh, launched Think of Ventures uh, uh, in order to um, continue that mission of, so, of alleviating poverty. So, Sandy, you know, I'm struck for a second that in our last segment, we were talking about philanthropy. Mm-hmm. I mean, corporate responsibility and philanthropy. And um, with, with that, we're, we're shifting. And I just sort of want I just was as we were sitting here, I was like, whoa, we just jumped right in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We went from talking about. Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month to and philanthropy and how yes, cor- got a little dusty in here. My eyes were oh, just oh. be some dust. Bless your heart. <laughs> um, but and now we're thinking about like microfinance and impact investing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh wait, whoa, whoa, let's uh, let's slow down and unpack that for a second. So um, it sounds to me that Finca, uh, you know, was when we talk about the base of the pyramid. What what's your definition of of base of the pyramid? Oh, it's a really good question, and I don't know that there's one answer. Sort of, you know the a challenge in our field. What is impact? What is base of the pyramid? But if you think about socioeconomic strata um, and the philosophy and the, the, the sort of fact that um, there's a much larger percentage of the population who lives at a much lower, you could you could say it's you know annual income, dollars per day, whatever metric you use. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's less than a dollar, that's less than two dollars a day. It depends yeah, sort of so on it's the that benchmark. sort of large base. If you think of a, a pyramid sort of broken up into let's say three chunks, you know that that 
bottom chunk. It used to be called bottom of the pyramid, but um, you know, appropriate sensitivities towards you know, it's not it's not bottom. It is base. It really is a, a base for society. A lot of base for. Um, work being done in our economy and in our homes and things like this. So, so that's generally how we think of base of the pyramid. Um, I'm sure all of you know Pew and others all have a specific definition, but you know, largely that's how we can think about things. Um, what I was struck by, you know, as Ami started talking, was 1984 as the launch year. Yeah, this is pretty early for a loan structuring organization. Um, so I, I, you know, I'd be curious, Ami, can you talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the sort of launch of, you know, Finca and, and in 1984, what made sort of a loan structure the, the way that the organization was going to be, to be launched? Cause it's pretty unique at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so Finca was started, um, um, by, um, uh, John Hatch and, and Rupert Schofield, um, and they were working with farmers in Latin America, uh, and realized that you know they uh, like how they were thinking through how to improve productivity, and they saw that access to capital was um, was one of the fundamental challenges. And, so Ami, I think uh, we're gonna. I, I, I apologize for the interruption. Our connection isn't great, so I think we're gonna um, try to get a better line. So so stick with us. Uh, our producer is gonna work on that with you. Okay. Should we try to guess? <laughs> what, our, what our answer might have been to the question, no. Uh, but it, it sounds like um, very early problem spotting uh, by this organization to see that, you know, giving giving a loan created a different type of empowerment and, eco- and economic impact than simply giving a, a philanthropic donation. So I'm already struck. We're, I think in a couple of weeks we're going to have um, an author that wrote a, a book called Winner Take All, Winners Take mm-hmm. All, and it's kind of getting a lot of buzz. Uh, it had a big New York Times review, and it's sort of like this elite, um, you know, we're at the Wharton School, we're talking about mm-hmm. business and social impact. Like, is this an elite sport almost? Um, the, the, the business of social impact, mm-hmm. right? And when when I talk when you talk about this, I'm struck of my own origin story almost of like how I got into more like social innovation, social enterprise, impact investing was hearing from an entrepreneur in um, sub-Saharan Africa. I think he was from Kenya. And he said, you know, we got grants, we got prize money, you know, to start our Mm -hmm. our company. And it wasn't until we had our first financing, Mm -hmm. you know, or it was a, you know, a small loan that really got our butts in gear. Yeah. You know, in terms of like, how do we run a real business? And so, Ami, it sounds like, you know, you all realized that there was sort of this element of, okay, there is, you know, back in the day in 19, in the mid 80s, the financing piece was really critical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, ex- I mean, exactly. I caught the, the, the last uh, piece of your conversation there. Uh, it was so in working with farmers, uh, it was getting um, you know access to finance to to smallholder farmers, um, and but you know they don't have um, they didn't have a they didn't have a credit history. So how do you know that somebody is bankable? Right. And so John and Rupert created something called village banking, where they where they uh, they where um, you know neighbors vouched for each other. Um, and in doing that, that was your um, that was your your ability to uh, to take that credit risk. And and from that just initial insight that let's bring people together and let's rely on the power of community um, to create this, this mechanism where um, where we can um, uh, unlock access to capital. Uh, created you know a, a, a microfinance bank that then grew into uh, more than 20 countries. 
and um, but it was it was that it was that insight that also you know uh, led to you know thinking around sort of market-based solutions. So like when I was in school, um, both as an undergraduate and as a graduate uh, student, um, you know, microfinance really kind of uh, let folks that were in the business program really think really creatively around how market-based solutions can uh, can move the needle on, uh, on development. And so this has been 30 plus years. Um, you all have been in the business of sort of financial inclusion and access to finance uh, for lower-income populations for quite a while. Tell us about the shift that you're making towards Finca Ventures. Yeah, it's an expansion, really. So um, our mission is to alleviate poverty. And what we learned was that uh, access, you know, access to finance and microfinance loans, while they help uh, folks improve productivity, um, they don't solve uh, the problems of poverty. And, um, and, and, you know, what I think microfinance did to a large extent is inspired generations of entrepreneurs to think about, you know, how do we use market-based solutions to create um, energy access and, um, and potentially healthcare access, um, where you have to think super creatively in terms of how you reach the customer, but then also how do you uh, create a product that is affordable uh, to those that, um, that may be poor. And so as we, you know... Um, uh, uh, as we thought about sort of the next thing that uh, Finca wanted to do, uh, we realized that there was this, you know, burgeoning group of entrepreneurs that needed, in fact, I think what you were saying, Nick, right, um, uh, they needed access to capital as well. They weren't smallholder farmers that we were serving anymore, but there's, there are, there's still a group of entrepreneurs that, that, that need that kind of backing, and they need access to capital as much as they need, you know, knowledge and networks um, in these very difficult to um, to work uh, environments, and so so our expansion is really how do we take our core competencies and our and our knowledge of these markets and support um, uh, entrepreneurs uh, of a different nature that can uh, really help move the needle in terms of energy access or education access, uh, water and sanitation access. Very cool. And I mean, one of the things that caught my eye in, in reading about Think of Ventures was that. You know, the description led not only with financing, but also pre- and post-investment support. Um, tell us what that looks like. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, when we're, when we're uh, talking to the company before we make an investment, uh, we're really talking through kind of product market fit um, and what they're, you know, what's the problem that, you know, they're, uh, they're trying to solve um, from their perspective. And then we try to also share um, what we see happening in the market um, uh, through you know, the lens of our customer. And so for, for instance, we'll have conversations through due diligence around, um, uh, around sort of uh, you know, how they could potentially you know, look at change their business plan, look at the, the market in a different way. Um, and in fact, in one of our companies, uh, you know, that, that I think that helped them kind of recalibrate what they were looking at as the market. So that's a little bit of, of, of the pre. Um, and then in terms of post, it's really kind of trying to be, um, uh, of course, we're investors, but how can we act as an extension of the team when they need us to? So can we make connections? Can we help them, you know, work through their pitch for the next round of funding? Can we put them in touch with um, folks, uh, you know, talent um, is always a, a one of the, the hardest things uh, that we find that entrepreneurs and, and, and startups are looking for in, in local markets. Can we put them in touch with um, ways to, to grow their team? 
So it's really about, you know, having worked in these markets and having built a business in these markets. Um, we hope we have uh, walked a little bit of, of uh, their, the, the, the steps that they're walking um, and how can we take that experience um, and help them, you know, grow faster and stronger and smarter. And I'm curious, I mean, you know, is how has that uh, improved your investment acumen? So. We do see a lot of organizations that support entrepreneurs, so, you know, accelerators, incubators, coaching opportunities, and then, you know, often they're separate from the financing organizations, the investors or or loan providers. Putting them together allows you to see and understand more about your investments, basically. Um, Tell us how that has shaped your investment practices and what that has allowed you to understand in a deeper way. Um, that's a great question. So I think, you know, by being very active um, after making this investment, it helps us um, in, in two ways. Um, first, it, it gives us deeper insight into kind of, should we try to uh, make investments with a very thesis-led approach? And so as you're kind of seeing what's happening on the ground and being active, um, it helps us refine our thesis for that uh, particular um, uh, vertical, and it also helps us uh, when we're thinking about, you know, the next team or the next company we, um, we're we're evaluating. Um, what are we learning from, you know, what challenge uh, the challenges that we are and, and opportunities that we are working with our existing portfolio on in terms of how we evaluate um, new companies and how we give them advice even before making the investment in terms of building their business. Uh, so it, it, it really creates, a, a, I, I think, a virtuous circle um, in, um, in how we're able to be better investors um, and, uh, and better advisors to our portfolio companies. This is Dollars and Change, and we're speaking with Ami Dalal, who is the Vice President and Managing Direct- Director at Finca Ventures. And Ami, my next question for you would be around the sort of industries that you focus on. So where are the entrepreneurs working in, not geographically necessarily, but what industries are they working in that you're financing? Yeah. So uh, we're looking across basic services. So energy access, water and sanitation, uh, access to education, um, and then and then another silo, uh, which isn't basic services, uh, but, it's, uh, uh, but, you know, 70% of... Um, uh, our target market are smallholder farmers, and so uh, so uh, agriculture. And 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 you know, although we are across these very kind of diverse silos, uh, the the common through line, the thread, is you know, when we talk to a company, one of the things that we always ask ourselves and ask the company is, how can Thinka be specifically helpful to you? Um, and uh, and when we feel like there is a fit in that way, um, so that the product that they are developing or service they are developing can really serve a low-income population and that, you know, our capital and support can really help them um, is kind of um, is, is, is where we like to um, enter conversations. And I guess the, the next piece, and I'm going to give a little context here because from my work in emerging and frontier markets, there really is this sort of missing middle. Um, you might be able to get access to finance from microfinance uh, and entities like Finca had done historically. And then there are more traditional investors that are looking to invest half a million, a million, and and well above that. But so if you think about as low as $10,000, maybe $25,000, up to $500,000, 
it's really hard to find financing for entrepreneurs in this area. And I, from my understanding, it seems like Finca is focused on that. Is that an accurate depiction? And if so, why are you focusing there? Absolutely. So that's, uh, that's very accurate. Um, and the reason that we are, are focusing there is because of exactly what you said, um, that there is, there is this missing middle. Um, can we, through, uh, you know, oftentimes I find that with um, some of these early stage companies, there is risk, certainly, but there's also perceived risk where um, there, you know, uh, investors may not really un- uh, be able to fully assess uh, sort of the, the, the potential of the company at that stage, um, not knowing the markets um, uh, deeply. And to the extent that, you know, we can uh, help take some of that perceived risk um, off the table and, uh, and provide capital for the company to, um, to get to a place where they can raise uh, uh, larger amounts of capital, that's what, I mean, that's what we're, we're aiming to do. Let's do a little myth-busting, since we have you, Ami, talking about that perceived risk. Can you tell us a, a story or give us an example of an area where, you know, an uninformed investor, you know, might have perceived a substantial amount of risk in an investment that turned out to actually be quite sound and promising? Um, of course. Um so it's just, so we're still in um, in early days, um, and so we're, we're hoping all of you know this is true. Um, but you know, an, an example I can give you is um, uh, is in the energy space. Um, so the energy space uh, in the off grid market in um, in Sub Saharan Africa has gotten a lot of capital, and um, and we made an investment in. You know, a hardware company that is that is focusing on um, you know productive use appliances, um, believing that you know that um, as much as sort of uh, solar home systems and those sorts of things um, are are really critical, um, we really need to unlock productivity and grow wallets. And uh, and so uh, we believed that um, as we saw the market develop and evolve, that there would be some uh, specialization. And that there was an opportunity to create, a, uh, or for a company to really, you know, focus on something like that. And so, um, so we made an investment at a at a very early stage, at the seed stage in this company. Um, and and you know, they are proving that out uh, to some extent. We uh, and they are developing productive use appliances, um, and there is that demand for that. And so, um, it's 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 it's, a, it's taking sort of what we know to be true about what our customers need. Um, and applying that lens um, as we talk to and look at companies. And will you clarify what's a productive use appliance? That's a great question. Uh, it's a so it's an appliance that you can that can potentially help you um, uh, increase your income. Ah. So yeah. So uh, so you know for instance uh, you know a lot of um, you know it, you know um, growing maize is um, is one of the larger you know cash crops in, in the markets we work in, mm-hmm. and oftentimes you'll find uh, smallholder farmers having to go into the village to grind that maize. Um, so the company that you know, we are working with is thinking about how do we develop a low-cost maize grinder um, uh, yeah, or a, you know, a, solar wa- a solar-powered water pump. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's things that can enhance productivity or enable um, uh, folks to be able to create businesses. And Ami, how do you evaluate or what's your strategy about investing in local entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who have operations in the regions where you'd like to see the impact? Um, you know, I, we are, you know, we're, 
we're to some extent um, agnostic. Um, so I, we are we're looking for entrepreneurs that understand these markets, um, that um, and that have developed a product or service that is compelling. Um, and I think um, you know one of the, the the nice things about having the network we do, we're across six countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, and uh, uh, is is having sort of you know, the Thinka Network there also be able to kind of um, point to entrepreneurs that they know that may that may be um, a good fit for Thinka Ventures. Yeah, um, I mean, so. I guess the reason why I ask that, you know, specifically is I know a good amount of, of investors who want to invest in frontier markets, and they're, they often come across and they decide not to invest. The, the entrepreneur in San Francisco and Silicon Valley mm-hmm. who's like, I've got a great technology platform that's going to help Rwandan farmers. <laughs> right. right. And they don't have that context. They don't actually have strong operations or, or geographic context for what they're actually implementing. So it, it, I, I, what I'm hearing from you is that you can be sort of a, a local entrepreneur or you can, as long as you have a deep understanding of the context in which you're working, you and it's a compelling business model with a clear value proposition, you're going to consider it. So thanks for that clarity. You know, what is next? I mean, you guys are just starting out with the, the Finca Ventures portion of this. What are you most excited about in the next six to 12 months? Um, so continuing to, to, uh, to find and, and, and have the opportunity to partner with promising entrepreneurs, to be sure. Uh, but, you know, also, you know, we have now a portfolio of six companies, and we want to, we really want to be able to work closely with them and help them get to the, that next level of growth. So if it's, you know, connecting, in, you know, in the case of one of our companies in Zambia, um, uh, you know, their farmers with, um, with the microfinance bank to be able to get those those farmers' uh, capital, um, uh, you know, making co- connections for uh, another company to enter a new market. Um, how, you know, we're really thinking about the next six to 12 months um, in two ways. One is how can we be most helpful to our portfolio? And two, um, you know, how can we be helpful to new entrepreneurs um, through, through capital? Well, that's great. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break, but we have been speaking with Ami Dalal, who is the vice president and managing director at Finca Ventures, where they're looking to invest in in uh, emerging markets and, and promising entrepreneurs. This is Dollars and Change. When we get back, we're going to be speaking with Brandon Krieg from Stash. Uh, we'll be right back. Give us a ring at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you have a question, and we'll talk to you soon. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.